Well, uh, last week we began our summer teaching series that we're calling Storyteller, looking at the parables of Jesus. And you'll notice on your way in, we made available uh, some uh, lists of the parables of Jesus and it kind of puts them in alphabetical order through the various uh, gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. So if you want to grab one of those, fold it up, put it in your Bible, and through this series, maybe you can make note of other places where some parables are listed in other gospel accounts and you want to study a little bit on your own time, I think that would be really great. And so grab one of those lists if you didn't grab one on your way in on the way out and um, make a a point to to study the scriptures with us at home as well. Um, Remember, last week we said that uh, uh, just a few things to note about the parables. First of all, these are stories of Jesus, not necessarily accounts of anything that actually happened. Uh, We said they are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And so these are stories about things that people in this day could relate with in their life, things like barns and sheep and fields and vineyards and wine and kings, and uh, people could relate with them. And these were stories that were carefully crafted by Jesus so that they could then really drive home a strong spiritual lesson. Uh, Many of the the parables spoke to the kingdom of God, Uh, and so the one that we're going to look at today speaks to the kingdom of God, that invisible reign of God in our lives that connects us to one king and causes us to be a part of one kingdom. Uh, We also said that the parables were used to conceal truth. Many people at this point in Jesus' ministry had already rejected him, and so it concealed truth from them so that they wouldn't be further spurred on to uh, go about seeking the the death of Jesus prematurely. And then also, as stories do, uh, these stories stick. Uh, they, They capture your attention, and they stick with you. And so let me, in that vein, share with you a story uh, that has stuck with me. It's a true one, uh, one that uh, has bothered me a little bit, and can I get it off my chest if I can? Uh, it's about my own wedding, and I'm going to vent here for a minute if I can. Um, so one of the most enjoyable things about being the groom in the wedding planning process is certainly not the flowers or the dresses, but picking out the food, as you can imagine. And so we uh, dreamed up what our menu would be, and we came up with the three options, chicken, steak, or baked stuff lobster. Amazing. And then, uh, also enjoyable, was picking out the cake. And we uh, connected with this bakery, and we really like strawberry cheesecake. And so we ended up uh, going with strawberry cheesecake cake. And so it was a layer of cheesecake, a layer of cake, a layer of cheesecake, a layer of cake. And it was absolutely amazing. And the bakery sent us this little, uh, you know, this little sample cake, and we said, oh, this is going to be so good. I'm so excited. Well, the wedding rolls around, and I... Uh, I remember we did, the, did everything. We get to the point in the ceremony or the, the reception where we cut the cake and we cut the cake and feed it to each other. I did not shove it in her face. She literally threatened my life. Like if you shove it in my face, face we're, we're done. And so um, she, was, she was pretty serious about that. So I didn't do that. But I remember um, I was so nervous uh, about just all eyes on us through this whole thing that I didn't have any cake and I didn't have any of my baked stuff lobster. I just was so nervous and I didn't eat. And I remember we went on our honeymoon, we came back, and I broke the news to Becky. I said, I never had any of that cake. She's like, you got to be kidding me. You were the one most excited about this cake. You never had any cake. Well, our parents, her parents picked us up from the airport in Hartford and brought us back to their place. We stayed our first night back at their place. And um, I got there and I said, I'm so hungry. Let's pull out that cake. And she goes, her mom, yeah, about the cake, Josh. <laughs> um, the bridesmaids... We're really hungry after the wedding. 
and they finished it off for you. They did what? (laughs) I never had any of my wedding cake at all, and I was really frustrated. And, you know, American tradition is that you take the top of the cake and you freeze it, and then a year later at your one-year anniversary, you can uh, thaw the cake and and eat it. And I'm I'm a kind of a traditional kind of dude when it comes to carrying on traditions and things, and it just didn't happen, and I was pretty frustrated. And I have... I have forgiven them, but just so you know, I never had any of my wedding cake, so. All right, that's off my chest. Jesus, as we look at today, <laughs> let's bring it back to Jesus, can we? Jesus uh, shares about some bridesmaids today. He shares a wedding story. Now, ladies, I know that you are into talking about weddings. There's two things, ladies, talk about weddings and babies. And so we're going to talk weddings today. Guys, you can handle it, I promise you. Now, he shares this story about... Ten bridesmaids, half of the bridesmaids fail to think ahead. All of our bridesmaids fail to think ahead about the tradition, but half of these bridesmaids fail to think ahead, and they were thus unprepared for uh, the wedding. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you, ever, have you ever been unprepared for anything? Maybe you go out to be adventurous, and you're out somewhere you know, exploring, and you're unprepared for inclement weather, torrential rain comes and you don't have an umbrella. Maybe uh, you forgot about that project or that exam for school. I remember in college, Becky and I, she forgot about one and we pulled an all-nighter and I helped her do her research and she wrote the paper and uh, she was unprepared. Uh, Never would happen with me. I love her though. Just kidding. Uh, Maybe you've been unprepared for a presentation at work. Uh, Maybe you've been unprepared for some kind of financial issue that came your way. Maybe it was a a, a car repair that needed done and you just financially weren't ready for it. Maybe it was a major appliance that broke at your place and you, you weren't prepared to pay for it. Maybe it was some kind of medical expense that comes your way and you're just not prepared to pay for it. Isn't that the worst when you find yourself just unprepared? And, and have you ever thought, you know, if I had known this was coming, I would have been prepared, but I just I didn't know it was coming. I didn't first see it. I would have saved up money. I would have studied for it, but I just wasn't prepared because I didn't really know it was coming. And maybe you're not even typically the kind of person that finds themselves unprepared. And so when it does happen that one time, it's just so unbelievably frustrating. And you think, I just, I wish I could go back, get a few more days to study or go back a couple more years and save up so that I could be prepared for this. Let me ask you this. What if we're talking about being prepared for that which is of the utmost importance? Would you make a point to to prepare yourself? You know, I believe today we're talking about that which is of the utmost importance. More important than having an umbrella, more important than being studied up, more important than having money saved up for when something breaks down. Uh, We're talking about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about the kingdom of of God. And the kingdom of heaven is a phrase that's only used by Matthew here uh, and in his scriptures, uh, but they're really interchangeable for this phrase, interchangeable for the kingdom of God, the the one true God whose whose kingdom you do not want to, to miss out on because his kingdom is the only kingdom that spans from this life into eternity. And Jesus gives us a story about some who are unprepared so that we might find ourselves prepared, so that we can be prepared for 
the kingdom of God when it comes in and is ushered in with the Christ. And so last week we looked at the parable of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. It was a very simple kind of parable. You could have read it and, and, and really got it that there was a man who was full of himself. He was prideful. There was a man who really messed up and he recognized his need for God. He was humble. And so the point was be humble, not prideful, fairly simple. This parable that we're looking at today is really not as simple. It's going to require us to, to gain a bit of an understanding of Jewish wedding culture. And so let's get to work and, and really jump into uh, Jewish wedding culture. So if you want to look at Matthew 25, verse 1, again, uh, verse 1, we see Jesus refers to them as these 10 bridesmaids as uh, virgins. And he is talking about bridesmaids here for weddings in those days, Kind of unlike today, it was not customary for anybody who was a mother, for someone to have, uh, who, who has kids to be a part of the, the wedding party. And so it was assumed that if you were a bridesmaid, you were a virgin, hence the name of the parable, the, the parable of the ten virgins. And so uh, background on Jewish weddings of these days. Uh, Jewish weddings were these community-wide festivals. It was a big deal, full of tradition and, and ritual. And on the wedding day, the bride would stay at her home, and she would be a Tended to uh, by all of these bridesmaids, and they would sing, and they would dance, and they would laugh, and they would celebrate, and they would ready the bride. You know what the things that brides do? You know they get their nails done, their hair done, they spray on fake tan, whatever you do on your wedding day, and and, and they would they would stay there, and then the groom around evening or, or dusk uh, he would arrive to her place, and when he approached. The, the bride's home, as he comes to her home, he would send a herald in front of him who would just announce the coming of the groom. Can you imagine this? The herald is saying, the groom is coming. Here he is. He's, he's coming. It was this big uh, celebration. And then the ten bridesmaids would leave the bride at the house and they would come out after the, the groom, after hearing the herald. They would light these lamps that they had carefully prepared ahead of time and they would meet the groom come back and get the bride, and then they would march by uh, lantern all the way back to the groom's home, lamps in hand, and they would have the ceremony, and they would have this massive party that would last for sometimes up to a week on and off. It was just this great big party. This is the Jewish uh, wedding ceremony of the day. And so, in Matthew chapter 25 here, verses 1 through 13, Jesus tells this story about these 10 bridesmaids who are getting ready for this wedding. And remember, again, don't miss this, that verse 1 tells us that this parable is speaking to the kingdom of heaven, the, the kingdom of God, and about really being ready for when the kingdom of God comes in, in fullness. And so Jesus' story uh, compares the kingdom of God to a wedding and the ensuing party after the wedding. Now, let me take a moment to point something out that I think is just really important. And that is that, again, Jesus is comparing being a part of God's kingdom to this massive celebration, this massive party. Let me ask you this. When you think of the kingdom of God, when you think of eternity, is this what you picture? I remember for me as a child, I, I remember telling my parents, and oddly enough, my son said this to me about a year ago. He goes, I don't know if I want to go to heaven. I'm like, what do you mean? For me, it was, I don't, I don't like to sing. <laughs> and I remember for me, I pictured, you know, putting a choir robe on and singing along with choir for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> 
And we're not going to get into the specifics about eternity, but let me just point out that Jesus is comparing it loosely to a really good party that you don't want to miss out on. You want to make plans to be there. Jesus is the life of this party. It's going to be amazing. Now, Christians, let me speak to you who you are clearly, you know that you're a follower of Jesus. In, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, how does Jesus instruct us to pray? Do you remember? He instructs us to pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That we are to pray for and to put out foretastes of the kingdom party here on earth. Right? That we're to, to really bring the kingdom uh, on earth as it is in heaven as we pray and, and be a part of the answer to our prayers. That means that as, as Christians, we are to be people who light this place up with, with joy and hope and humor and love and grace and celebration, with life. You hear some frustrations coming out of me right now. I just feel these frustrations coming out that, that Christians, we need to be hope. We need to be joy. We need to be life. We need to be light of Jesus in this world. And if Christians can't party well, if Christians can't light up a room, a neighborhood, a city with the joy and the hope and the love of Jesus, man, who can? Who can? Christians, when's the last time that, that you've asked a neighbor over to your house to have him for dinner, or just to hang out or to barbecue? When's the last time you've done that? And give them a foretaste of the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. When's the last time that you've just gotten together with people and you've said, I just want to light this place up. I want to love on people. I want to be joy and hope and grace and truth and mercy and, and, and just give life to wherever it is that I am, right? Jesus uh, wants us to do that. Jeremiah, God speaks through him and tells us that we are to, to seek the, the welfare of the city. We're to be about that. That's bringing the kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. Not that it will be here in its fullness, but that we can be a part of that. Okay, so there's a huge celebration coming. We bring foretastes of it on this earth, but it is coming and it's coming in its fullness. And so I know life can get hard and maybe for you right now it is really, really hard, but the party is coming. The party is coming. It's, it's, it's coming, and that helps us to, to hold on. There's, there's a wedding and a party about to take place. Jesus says, verse 1, the ten bridesmaids, they, they take their lamp, and they, with their lamps, they leave the house, and they go out to meet the groom. Verse 2 talks about these bridesmaids a little more. Um, it says that five of them were foolish, and five of them were, were wise. In verse 3, the, the five foolish, they just grabbed their lamps and they took off to meet the groom. Uh, verse 4, the, the five who were wise, they grabbed their lamps and they grabbed some extra flasks of oil for their lamps should they uh, be put in a situation where their lamps run out of oil and they take off to meet the groom. So we have five foolish, five wise. The foolish ones just burst out with their lamps. The wise ones run out quickly with their lamps, but they also grab some extra oil. And then in verse 5, we see, sure enough, the ten bridesmaids get out there to meet the groom. He's nowhere to be found. He has been delayed in his coming. And so it says that they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and nothing. Now, can you imagine the girl talk? All these bridesmaids sitting together, like, shoot, man, 
if this, if this man stands up my girl on her wedding day, that ain't cool, right? And you can just imagine, they're angry, right? It says they're out there, and they're just waiting, and they're waiting, and they get drowsy, and they fall asleep. But after falling asleep, much later, at midnight, the herald comes out. Here comes the groom. Here comes the groom. Come out to meet him. And so, as we read in 7 and 8, the girls start to light their, their lamps, but for the five who didn't grab the extra oil, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for him to have come later and for the party to happen a little later. They didn't have the extra oil in their lamps. It says they're starting to, to go out. Now they're at the place where they might miss the party. So verse 9 rolls around, and verse 9 says that they asked the girls uh, who had the extra oil if they could have some of that oil, and the girls said, there's not enough for you and us. Why don't you go down to the dealer and get some extra oil? Verse 10 says that they go to get oil for themselves, and sure enough, while they're gone, who comes? Just as the herald said, the groom shows up, and then all these other five girls, while the others are out getting their oil, march to the house. They have the ceremony. They start the party, and it says the door was shut. Look with me at verse 10 again. Look really closely at verse 10. See those last four words? Can we read those out loud together? The last four words of verse 10? Say it together. One, two, three. The door was shut. The door was shut. Verse 11, later on, the other five girls come back with oil this time. And they knock on the door that was shut of the party. And they say, open up, open up, it's us. And the groom says, I don't, I don't know you. And this is the parable of the, the ten virgins. I hope you are starting to see a little bit what's going on here again verse one jesus says this is about the kingdom of heaven this is about being a part of my kingdom closes the parable bookends it in verse 13 and he says watch therefore watch because you do not know the day or the hour that the groom is coming that jesus is coming for his bride his people the the church this common illustration in scripture it's about It's about being prepared to meet Jesus. It's about us being prepared and not being caught unprepared. About being prepared for the hour that we don't know when it is, but for the hour when he comes back to take his people and and that we would be a part of his kingdom. The truth is, our lives are going to end. And in our culture, we don't like to think about that. We do everything that we can not to have to think about that. Go back not long ago, and there wasn't as, as, as much pain medication out there. So people dying was right in front of us. People dying in pain, it was right in front of us. There wasn't this nice, uh, wonderful hospice care that we have today, which is a great gift of God. But people would die right in front of you. And so it was constantly before you. But today, we don't think about the fact that we all die. The, the end is coming. The door will be shut. And so we will have the door shut. The end will come either because we die or, according to Scripture, because Jesus comes back for his people. And the question posed by Jesus here is, are we ready? And he gives it to these people in such a, a unique but relevant way for them that there's this wedding party. And in their culture, I mean, imagine... The, a wedding party. I mean, they didn't have all the different kinds of entertainment that we had. This was a big 
deal, uh, this massive community-wide event. It was the talk of the town. People rearranged their schedules for this. They, they m- made sure that they were there. They got themselves ready for the celebration. They picked out the outfit. They were ready to go to be a part of this celebration because they did not want to be caught unprepared. And then Jesus throws this unique little wrench into the typical wedding story of the day, and he says the groom, who represents himself, Jesus, who has died, was buried, he resurrected, he ascends to heaven, and then he promises us that he will come again for us. The groom who represents Jesus uh, arrives not at dusk, but arrives at, at midnight. And when he does, people got lazy, people weren't there. The original full bridal party was not ready. The other five were out getting oil because they just did the, the bare minimum part of their job as bridesmaids. They, they got their dress, they showed up, they, they lit the lamp, but they weren't prepared for a late arrival. They didn't take the time to, to grab more oil ahead of time. And, and, and what Jesus is saying here is we're speaking to the condition of their heart, these other five, that they weren't as into this wedding as they should have been. They didn't cover all of their bases. In fact, they didn't even go grab more oil the minute that they heard that the groom had been delayed. Instead, they just fell Asleep, And the, the price of their lack of preparation was exclusion from the wedding reception. There was no singing. There was no dancing. There was no feasting, celebrating. They were just locked outside with empty lamps in the darkness with regret in their heart. And the point of Jesus is this. He's saying, if you're not so captivated by me, and so concerned with knowing me and being ready for my arrival, you're not really ready to be a part of the kingdom. If you're not into it today, you're out of it tomorrow. So the question is, are we, are we ready? Are we really ready for the, the kingdom? Today we are preparing for the party. We're preparing for the party. We're getting ourselves ready. We're getting our friends ready. We should be inviting people to the party. You don't want to miss this. You do not want to miss this. Today I'm serving as I share the scriptures with you. I'm serving the role of the herald saying the groom is coming. He's coming. And then you as you leave this place, you serve the role of the herald to your neighbors and your family and your friends who don't know Jesus saying he's coming. He's coming. He has come to earth God as a man. He has died in our place for our sins. He has resurrected, proving that he is God. He then ascends to heaven, and he's coming back. And we're telling the world, he is coming back. Do not miss it. Do not take this wedding lightly. Do not take this party lightly. You do not want to miss it. And he wants us all to be a part of the party. It's going to be amazing. Does the door get shut? Yes, the door gets shut shut and then it's too late it's too late but does this make him a cruel god because he shuts the door like how can he shut the door on people so cruel no he's not cruel he's right here telling us be prepared so that the door isn't shut on you i love you i love you i've made a way for you to be part of the party and that is attach yourself to the life of the party jesus he's made a way the Bible makes it very clear that we have sinned against God. We say, God, I don't need you. I'm going to do my own thing. And when you separate yourself from the, the giver of life, the one who made you and breathed into you the breath of life, the natural consequence of that is death. 
God, I don't need you. He says, okay, have it your own way. But he so cares for us that he keeps pursuing us and he becomes a man. The only way possible, he walks this earth and lives life perfectly. And so he's the only one who doesn't deserve the result of sin, death, but yet he chooses to die on the cross in our place as our substitution so that if we say, I trust in Jesus' death for me, then we can be made right with God because he takes on the punishment for our sin. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you can be a part of the party. And he's inviting you today to connect with him, to recognize your need for him, and to be reunited with God. Let me ask you this to the Christians in the room. In the scriptures, the Bible will talk about oil over and over again, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. And it speaks to God's blessing, God's anointing, and God's Holy Spirit taking up residence in the heart of those people who trust in Jesus. And these foolish girls, these foolish bridesmaids, they had their bridesmaids' dresses on, but they didn't have enough oil for their lamp. So I want to ask you is, do you have your, your bridesmaid's dress on, but no oil in your lamp? In other words, you look like a Christian. Maybe you come to church, you're a part of it, maybe you grew up in it, you've tinkered with it a little bit. You, you tell people, yeah, I love Jesus. Yeah, Jesus is good. I was baptized, I was sprinkled, or whatever you went through. You, you kind of look like a Christian, but you're lacking the oil. You're lacking the Holy Spirit taking up residence inside of you, as the Scriptures will say He does for those people who have truly become a follower of Jesus. Matthew 7, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. In other words, Lord, you're my Lord. And he says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Sounds exactly like what he says in verse 12 here. What does he say to these five who come with no oil? He says, I do not know you. Maybe you've been raised in church, you've been a part of church, you're nice to people, you sing the songs, you do the deal, you jump through the hoops, but the Spirit of God is not taking up residence inside of you. You're not prepared for the party. The Bible tells us that His Spirit will testify with our spirit that we are, in fact, sons of God. And so I can't know for sure for you. We can look at the evidences of your life and what you're passionate about, what you're living for, and that is often a good indicator. However, his spirit testifies with your spirit, and so you search out your own heart and determine if you truly are a child of God or do you just have a bridesmaid's dress on and just kind of look like a Christian. So what's the, the, the difference between the two sets of bridesmaids? Five were dressed up, but they weren't really completely given to the wedding. And even in verse 5, when the groom was delayed, they didn't rush out. We've got to go get oil. We've got to be ready. We don't want to miss this thing. He's not here on time. We're going to run out of oil. The wedding wasn't a really a huge deal to them. Maybe for you, an indicator is that Jesus just isn't a, a big deal to you. You like Jesus. He's cool. Jesus says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. You're not a part of me. The other five bridesmaids, however, they carried that extra oil. They were so given to the wedding, to Jesus. We are not missing out on this. 
We are so all about, we are not missing out on this. They searched their heart. Am I a child of God? I'm not missing out of this. I want to be made right with you, Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to live our lives just saying, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I'm right. He says, no, you can know. You can know because you've trusted in me and it has changed you and you are a child of God. You see the, the heart of these, these bridesmaids? They're fully given to Jesus. And the question is, are we fully given to Jesus or are we just playing dress up? And then I'll close with verse 13. So he says, watch therefore, for you do not know the day or the hour. Watch out. Make sure you're ready for the coming of the groom, for the coming of Jesus, whether it's because you die and go to be with him, you stand before him, or it's because he comes in his glory. We're called to, to watch. Let me give you three admonitions on the way out the door today. The first one, following from Jesus here, is to watch carefully. We all need to watch carefully. When you say, okay, this is serious stuff we're talking about here. Jesus says, it is of the utmost importance that you be prepared for this. So we watch carefully. We examine our own hearts. We make sure, am I ready? Am I ready? Give yourself to Jesus. The next thing we want to do is, from watch carefully, we want to we want to wait expectantly. We want to be a people who say, I'm excited about being with Jesus. I understand how amazing it's going to be. I'm, I'm expectant. I have hope for the future because he's coming. Life stinks right now maybe, but it's going to get better because Jesus is coming for me. There's no promise of, of an easy life in Scripture. It's just not there. But there's promise of eternity of glory with him, that it is going to be an amazing an amazing feast, an amazing celebration with Jesus. And so we can wait expectantly with great hope. And then that will bleed over into the lives of other people. And they'll say, man, there's such hope. And you get to explain the reason for the hope that you have, Peter says. We wait expectantly. And the last thing we want to do is we want to work diligently. We want to work diligently. We want to be about the work of the mission of God. I hope you don't feel like, man, Josh talks about mission, 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 mission all the time at this church. You know why we talk about that? Because that's the greatest thing that you can be a part of is the mission of Jesus. Before you're a a pastor or a plumber or whatever it is that you do, a student, you are on mission with Jesus. That's the greatest job you've been given. You can be a herald. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And, and we don't have to be ashamed of the message. Yes, people are going to not want him, but we don't have to be ashamed of it. We can be, this is good news. I'm telling everybody, you can be a part of the party. You can be a part of the party. You can work diligently to invite people to the party. So watch carefully, wait expectantly, and work diligently. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. Thank you so much that you have a great, 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 amazing eternity in store for us. That scripture says that you have prepared a place for us, like the groom who has prepared with, with great joy a place for his bride. That He's going to carry her across the threshold, and she's going to get to be a part of this perfect union her groom, that we as your people can be 
ushered into, carried across the threshold into the kingdom. God, thank you for that. God, I pray that we would would see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, not in its fullness, but we would get glimpses. We would be kingdom people. We would bring, bring hope and life and joy and peace to the places that we touch, whether it be an apartment complex, whether it be a, a village, whether it be a big city or a region, whether it be a family gathering, whether it be a birthday party, whether it be a conversation with a friend, that we would be people who are about ushering in the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for those people who maybe today connect a little bit with the unprepared bridesmaids, that they're not ready for the coming of the groom. God, thank you that you're so loving and gracious that it is not your desire for them to be caught off guard, caught unprepared that you are telling us this story today so that they can be prepared. And I pray, Lord, that they would today recognize their need for Jesus and what Jesus has done for them by living perfectly, dying sacrificially, and reigning and resurrecting gloriously. Lord, they they would see that and they would trust in Jesus as a substitution for themselves in their life. Help them to trust in you and to be a part of the kingdom. I pray that in this moment they would call out to Jesus. They would call on the name of the Lord and be saved. I pray for my Christian brothers and sisters, co-citizens of the kingdom in this room. Help them to be heralds of the message. Thank you, Lord. Do your work in us. In Jesus' name we pray.